Hello, I'm Lee. I'm Ria. I'm Marley. Number one, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at like doing things for me. It's going to take us about two weeks to learn it. Would I want to go to him if I wanted to hug absolutely not? Actually, give yourself a bit of a break. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's better out of a jar. You've been overruled, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to our next episode of Is It Really Worth Talking About? And today we are talking about men's mental health. But before we do that, We've got some announcements. Is it really worth talking about? Oh yeah! Right then. Uh, so we've got a few announcements. We'll start off with the smallest one. Oh. The, what is the smallest one in the grand scheme of things? Actually, well, okay. I mean, She's we were right. all feeling this last year, March. I'll have you know. All right. Should have been a huge Second announcement. Second time survivor. Marley's uh, had the COVID. COVID. The COVID. <laughs> The COVID-19. <laughs> She's been allowed out for a few days now. Yeah. How has Freedom been? Freedom! Do you know what? I've actually felt really anxious. Have <laughs> you? Like that Tuesday, I felt so anxious all day. Like I could have been sick. Really? Yeah, it was really Like nice. a social anxiety thing? Yeah, I think it's because I'd allowed myself to overthink everything in that whole week that I was off. Um, and then you're like faced with reality then, aren't you? Mm. Like this is everything I'm worried about and now I've got to come out and face it. <laughs> what were you worried about? Just like <laughs> not being smart enough to complete my course, all the usual stuff, just like intensified. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not, yeah. Freedom Day was Tuesday. Is that ease off now? A little bit. I still. I doesn't have my very hormonal as well. Mm. So we all found out. Because if you haven't watched the Bake Off yet, um, you'll be disappointed to know that Jurgen got voted out. <laughs> that was tragic. <laughs> <laughs> my brother sent me a video uh, on Tuesday evening mm -hmm. of Marley. Hearing, the, seeing the news that Jürgen had gone home and she's crying her eyes out. And what was the impression you did? Nobody's home. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first episode though, wasn't it? Yeah. That was really sad. Nobody's home. And they gave everyone a handshake, but here. I know. <sighs> Not having it. <laughs> and I went to counselling on Thursday and I jokingly like brought it up. Like, ha ha, isn't this funny? And Colette was like, oh, we know where that comes from. <laughs> Like, oh. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then I repeated this to Luke, and Luke was like, yeah, he's like, we're not aware it was your own stuff. And I was like, oh, shut up, Luke. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, yeah, there was a bit of um, tears, wasn't there? A few yeah. tears. There was many tears. You know, like, when you wake up in the morning, you know you've cried a lot. Yeah. It was like that. Oh, my gosh, you're sort of a Jürgen. <laughs> it wasn't just over Jürgen, as we've established. Oh, okay, <laughs> very oh, true. I watched Extra Slice today as I watched Why it. Why did you put yourself through it? I don't know. And he was on there and he was like, well in her because of Aww. all the support he had. And I was like, <laughs> what a hero. Aww. <laughs> he was playing his little I trumpet. Get it. I do get it though, because he was just like a cute little man, wasn't he? Yeah. Aww. <laughs> we are all star makers here. Aww. He huffed and he puffed and he signed the eviction notice. <laughs> 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 That's not Jürgen, by the way. What is You're, that from? Poor Hollywood um, signed the eviction notice he did. to Jürgen. He knew that he had the audacity <laughs> to go and give him a hug. Audacity. <laughs> the anger on a Marley's face. He, he should have been like, get off, get off. <coughs> shut up, shut up. <laughs> anyway. yeah, so, and you're still suffering from the after effects yeah. of COVID? We've just witnessed oh. dramatic events of <laughs> Marley... <laughs> Taking too much tea in a mongo and having to spit it all Literally back out. Literally spitting it back out. And then, so she's on my new seat and she had to check whether she pissed herself. 
don't know if I'm a key exercises. I've not even pushed a baby out. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, I guess that's, that ties on nicely to our That's a good segue. <laughs> yes, segue into the... So, we have an announcement. One of us is with child. <laughs> and it's not me. It's, it's not me, Marley. <laughs> Which means... It's me. Like I'm a celebrity. Come on top it. <laughs> Ria, it's you. <laughs> it is me, everybody. Congratulations! Thank you guys. <laughs> Obviously, we've known about this for a while, but um, the baby is currently known as Shanice. Yeah, can she is known as Shanice. Tell the September holiday story then. <laughs> oh yeah. We can tell the story. Yes. Right. So I'm clever and wise, which we established many, many weeks ago. <laughs> and Rhea couldn't drink on this holiday, nor could she get in the hot tub. So I was like, why don't you tell people you've got a water infection? This is with my whole family, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I was very, very early on, so I didn't want to tell people. Three, four weeks? Yeah, very early. That was my very clever ruse that we plotted, planned together. It's a perfect plan. And uh, Rhea, you you can take it from here. Well, so then as soon as I get into the building, oh Rhea, you having a drink? No, no, can't have a drink. I'm on antibiotics. Oh, for water infection. Marley proceeds to say to me, what about antibiotics are you taking? And I pluck from the air amoxicillin. She looks at me like a piece of poo and says, why are they giving you that for a water infection? <laughs> and I'm looking at her like my eyes are getting wider as if to say, what's she doing? And all of Lee's family are looking at me too. Like, and I'm like, oh no, they did give me that. And Molly's like, oh, okay, weird. <laughs> She came up with this plan. She did come up with the plan. (laughs) And then I saw the look on her face change when she realised that she ruined her own ploy. (laughs) Oh, God. We can't be beautiful and smart all the time, can we? (laughs) I believe the line was just too good. It was too good. I was just being the best actor, wasn't I? It's not the first time you used that line either, was it? (laughs) Yeah, the Rhea's had a water infection since September. (laughs) Every event. Sorry about water infection. (laughs) It's been ongoing for quite a while now. But now everybody knows, it's fine. Everyone knows, yeah. But even on that thing when it, where uh, we went out for a walk, the three of us, the next day, and uh, we were talking about telling Luke, because we, oh. we were in the, we were going to be in the car with Luke, and so we thought we'd tell him, because Luke might put the pressure on Rhea to get in the jacuzzi or do something. I mean, that's not like Luke, to uh, put pressure on. <laughs> and so we were like, does he know Marley? And she was like, no, 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 he doesn't know. Anyway, we get in the car. Yeah, but before that, we think of a plan to tell him. Oh, yeah, we should do this. <laughs> Say there's more people in the car than what he thinks there is. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. We're in the car, me and Leah, looking at each other, smiling, like, all right, let's, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, oh, drive careful, Luke, because there's uh, seven, seven people in the car, like, smiling, like, seven people. And Luke just goes, what do you mean, seven people? <laughs> <laughs> it was all a bit weird, wasn't it? And then he just goes, someone says, Rhea's pregnant. <gasps> Rhea's pregnant? Is like, she? What? Rhea's pregnant? <laughs> and we were like, do you know Luke? And he was like, yeah, of course I do. Marley, stop. You know Oh, dead. He tracked me right under the bus here, right? Because in between this walk and this outing, I go to him and I'm like, Luke, they're going to tell you. So act surprised, this is the plan. He's like, yeah, yeah, no worries, I got this. <laughs> and 
the only reason he knew was because originally through niceness he took my phone and I was like no I was like giving me my phone back blah 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 because we'd literally like been sending I think I just sent you the picture of Kylie Jenner yeah because she's yeah. pregnant and um, I was like, give me my phone back, give me my phone back. He was like, well, what's going on? And he literally plucked out as real pregnant from thin air. And He's like, got this weird vibe of being psychic on things like that. You? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. So, yeah. So, we knew the whole time. So, another one of Marley's ploys that we didn't need to go along with. And made me a little bit stupid, really. Sorry, guys. But, yeah. So, yeah. So, third announcement. Drum roll, please. Oh, we're Lee hits in, us right now. We're sat in Harris Heights. <laughs> Harris has a new house. Yay! <coughs> finally Yay. in. We're sat at my breakfast bar. We are. Um, and I'm finally in my house. And how are you finding it? Uh, yeah, it's been interesting. It's like better now. But um, yeah, it was interesting moving in and like being here on my own. But it's strange. There's something about the peace that I must like because... I realised when I lived with Daniel, I would always, when I woke up or when I got in, I would always turn the telly on to have some background noise. But here, I don't even seem to do that. I just, there's something about the peace I like. But then what happens is it's it's either one or the other. So I'm either enjoying the peace or I just get really hit with this thing of like, oh, you're you're alone now. Mm. So, um, yeah, so it's taken a bit of adapting, but it's it's nice. I love the fact that the house is now turning out looking like how I envisaged it seven, eight months ago now. Massively mm. different when you got Oh, these. when we came in. Honestly, what was it like, girls, when we, when we got in? It was horrendous. Her, awful. So my stomach was feeling a little bit more, what's the word? Queasy. Yeah, queasy than normal. And oh, the grime. We were like Kim and Aggie, weren't we, Marley? Marley came down at one point. She was on bathroom duty. I was on kitchen. She came down and was like... We only need a break from that bathroom. I can't go back up there. I cannot go back. I cannot. Was, everything I cannot was just disgusting, wasn't it? Yeah, Gross. I cannot. It, <laughs> it I don't was disgusting. understand how someone lived in a place like this. I just really don't. Yeah. It was vile. Just the worst bit about it, guys, is that uh, he's replaced the bathroom seat and the, and the oven. And the, the brilliant thing was, so Marley was doing the bath, so she scrubbed that bath and she made it look actually relatively decent. And then uh, I ripped it out after having one shower. Yeah, and me and Shaz oven prided that oven, deep cleaned it. He ripped that one out. To yeah, be but, fair, Tina, however, the oven was broken. That was actually, so we, we'd cleaned it. I went to cook my first meal last week and everything's broke. The hob doesn't work, the oven doesn't work, nothing. So I've had to replace it all. But um, yeah, so we're in the new, so I'm Harris Heights, we've got Meredith Manor, so uh, yeah. And I live in a cardboard box. And, and Rhea lives, uh, Marley lives in a cardboard box. And on that note. <laughs> That's where she got COVID. <laughs> on that note, we'll move on. Right. <laughs> We've started. Um, right. So, <laughs> Marley's just learned I play the clarinet, by the way. Yeah, he's a medical genius. No, medical? Not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think I'm the medical I'm genius. I'm delivering Rhea's baby, did you not know? <laughs> Can you imagine that, Matt? <laughs> well, well, this changes our relationship, Rhea. When you had COVID uh, the end of last year and he was like, oh, the brain fog, I didn't really get it, but I do get it now. <laughs> Mine lasted a couple of months, so welcome. <laughs> welcome to that. Today we're going to be talking about men's mental health, because um, obviously November is all about men's mental health, so we thought we'd jump on trend mm-hmm. and uh, go from there. I think the girls are going to um, talk to me about mental health, uh, ask me questions, um, 
but it'd also be good to get their idea of what they expect you know from men in today's society and what their judgments are whether we try and be non-judgmental or not mm. you know we've all got them mm-hmm. um yeah um, even that like what is it that you expect of your partners you know when you're with somebody mental health wise we'll talk we'll talk about all of that that'd be quite interesting i think um but yeah <clears throat> well i think it's no secret that you're not shy to, like of talking about your mental health no um do you think that started with your training as a counsellor or did that come before? Um, yeah, I think definitely with my training. Like, I think I've always been quite open. Um, I can't remember if I said this on a previous episode before, but I remember in my t- early 20s, somebody once said to me that um, people think because I talk a lot that they know a lot about me, but actually I give them exactly what I want them to know. And, I and this think, was someone's observation of you. Yeah, and actually, I think if there's ever a sentence that probably sums me up, mm-hmm. it's probably that one. And so I think I've always kind of, kind of talked, but I don't think I've really like gone at much depth until probably yeah when I started therapy. Mm. And I'm a massive like advocate for, you know, we need to make talking about le- uh, mental health less taboo. Um, and so yeah, I kind of got to a point where I was like, well, I need to practice what I preach Mm. so and I think it probably started when Rhea and I did my suicide video more than anything you know that was what three four years three years ago now more than that it's either three or four five years ago no no it's only about three or four I think 2018 I think I think so um but yeah anyway so that and then so and that I think the response to that was I thought you know I might get 200 views and if somebody likes it you know or responds to it then great and that went a bit mental, didn't it? I think we're up to like 15,000 views or something now. Um, But yeah, and so it just kind of made me see that, yeah, that's the right thing to do. I need to get, you know, we need to have, we need to be talking about this stuff. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, like the response you got was amazing. Yeah. And obviously there was going to be like feelings around vulnerability of sharing that experience with people. But what was it like as a man in society to put yourself out there that vulnerably? Yeah. I think when we were doing that, you at the the beginning were like, I want to do it, this is fine, yeah, get my story out there, I want to take the taboo away from it. And actually when it came to you posting and publishing it, you were quite anxious to actually hit the post yeah. button. But before that, you were kind of like, yeah, I want to put it out there, put my story in. When it came to actually the crunch point of you actually posting it, yeah, I think then you got your feelings of like, oh, gosh, going out there then. But probably not only just from the story, but also what people think. Yeah. You were exposed. Yeah, that's your like. Um, well, there was all of it. All no, of not only the story, but then like myself on camera, yes. seeing myself on yeah. camera, because you know that day I was like, I hated it. Yeah. Um, and even like editing it and watch it. Look, it, I think it took me two years to watch it back properly. Really? Uh, yeah, because I, and even then, the first time I watched it, my head was having an absolute field day critically. Um, so, yeah, it took a while to actually watch it back. But then, yeah, I was worried about the perception you know, from other people, I was, um, mm. yeah, I think there is that thing that people are going to see you now as weak, and I, for for whatever reason, I've never felt strong, but that's something that's always come back, that people think that I am, um, and then all of a sudden they were going to see that I'm potentially not, um, and even though I obviously talk to clients all the time about the fact that, you know, going through something like this doesn't mean you're weak, when you're going through it, that's how you feel, mm. um, and I definitely felt weak sharing that. Mm. Um, and that people were going to see a lot of my um, faults, I suppose. Mm. I guess as well, not even people that 
the people that you don't even know are going to see that, but the people close to you that didn't know that story. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that was what, you know, we were like eight years down the line at that point, or Mm. ten years down the line. Um, Yeah, so a lot of people found out. Um, but I did like even though I remember there were like I like you said the response was incredible and like I had people that I didn't know messaging me and telling me their story and things like that and it was incredibly overwhelming but then I also had um, one person message me and was quite abusive um, and that stayed with me far more the one comment stayed with me more than the hundreds of really positive ones yeah he was really horrible you know dropping the c-bomb and um just telling me that I was massively weak that I'm not a man um that I probably should have just done it you know it was um yeah and it was it was it was unreal actually I was quite surprised but um and that stayed with me for ages Mm. yeah but um yeah from another man from another man exactly that you know and and that probably typifies you know where society was ages ago and some people still are you know, in that men shouldn't talk, you know, you keep things bottled up, you stop, you don't show your vulnerabilities, you get on with it, man up, you know, you that know typical what, phrase. You know, all those things about man up and men should be strong and all of that type of thing. I rarely hear that anymore. Mm. I rarely hear the whole, I think people are growing up now in a society where men and women are equal or mm. gender doesn't matter when it comes to your mental health at all. I hear, I hear man up less, but what I do hear is don't be such a girl. Okay. Mm. So I do hear that still quite a bit. Mm. I was, I can't remember where I read it, but I was reading that like um, men are worse like to men. They get their most, their worst like feedback from other men in their mm. um, circles and group of friends and stuff like that. Because... What do you mean? Just like banter-wise, oh, yeah, really. Like, yeah. like, do you mean like if they're in like if you're in like a football team or yeah. like in the changing rooms or whatever and that mm. banter that comes from that maybe where I yeah would you say that's like true what as in so a lot of my stuff has potentially been made worse because of other well, men not necessarily your stuff but you go to football and stuff like that do you notice that those sorts of things going on mm, not particularly mm. um for me um i think Actually, you know, I, I played football for civil service in Old Richards the majority of the time, and like it was quite a supportive um, club. And even if somebody was going through something, you know, even like Les would, if somebody needed money or whatever, he'd rally mm. everybody together and we'd give them money. People were, I think, were quite understanding. Quite yeah, quite inclusive. And I remember like them, when they found out about me being gay and stuff in my early 20s, and I always worried whether they knew, especially obviously then getting changed with them in the changing rooms and things like that. And I remember we were on a football pitch once and um, the opposition had a corner and I, and like you mark posts and I said, I'll take the back. And somebody went, oh, we've heard that about you. <laughs> and uh, and that was it then. Everybody just laughed mm. and it was done. Yeah. Did you mind that? No, in the slightest. I, uh, you know, that's how my sense of humour anyway. So mm. that was how I would have liked it. But that's, I, I there was definitely banter. Them. Yeah, because then they knew. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it all came out, you know, after the game when there was always sausage and chips, you know, the amount of times I had mm-hmm. all the likes of sausage, mm-hmm. you know, all that sort of stuff. And but you don't just, mind that banter at all? Not in the slightest. I think that's where we're moving on to more like, gay topic but you worry about when you do banter and joke about people things like that do people mind or do people laugh along in the situation and actually then go home and overthink it all yeah well we know that obviously there are a number of things that 
I was going to say that it it depends for me whether I know it's coming from a like a trustworthy place. Mm. If the banter is coming from a trustworthy place, then I take it as banter. Mm. If I don't really know the person, or you get that you know that whiff of sarcasm that has truth yeah. to it. If I get a whiff of that, then yeah, I overthink it. However, we always know as well that if it taps into something that you're insecure about, yeah. as we learned the other week with Marley when I said to her about being a counsellor, mm-hmm. um, we do go away and think about these things. So, um, you know, yeah, I just... Do you find because you're gay that people are perhaps more receptive? I, I guess there's not, not really any way for you to know that, but I wonder if there's something in that... Receptive to... Like when you talk about your mental health. Um, oh, I, I don't know, actually. Um, no, I don't think so. I think people are just... Um, we, we definitely live in a far more open society mm. now. Obviously, the, st- the push that's happened over the last 10 years, in particular, is, you know, has been brilliant. Uh, We've still got some, some way to go. But, um, it's one of the positives actually throughout COVID and lockdown mm. is there's much more focus now around mental health. Even more. It's kind of hard because mm. obviously the push on mental health before was good. But I think even since COVID, yeah. there's been even more of a push now. It's had to be ramped up because people, a lot of people have struggled, obviously. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a far more open society. So I think people have just been responsive to or receptive to what I've had to say just... I don't know, because I'm, I don't know, maybe it's, they're just happy somebody's talking about it. Yeah, I think, I definitely think that, um, um, I do, like I'm the wellbeing champion at work, so I do like a lot of things with mental health, and obviously it's been men's mental health, and there's been a lot of feedback around that, which you don't see much around really, I feel quite passionate about men's mental health, it really, like troubles me how the rate of suicide in men and well yeah we were just looking at the stats weren't we and mm. what was it seventy five percent of suicides are men yeah because like, like, like something like ten men if like ten men were to wash up on a beach a day like if that happened Gosh. we would take that seriously but yeah. because it's suicide and we don't hear about it mm. it's just I guess what's behind closed doors is outside out of mind I guess isn't it yeah and that like that that was one of the stats so let's talk did a thing not so long ago. A couple of years ago, and only thirty-eight percent of men are in therapy, but seventy-eight um, percent of the deaths by suicide are men. So mm. there's obviously still a big gap. The one one of the things that I enjoy, you know, obviously being a male counsellor, I do get. Mm. I've probably got maybe more men than I do women, which is like I love it. Mm. You know, as much as I love my women <laughs> and my women clients, you know, and I love talking to them. There are days sometimes where it just lines up that I've got all men. Mm. And I come away just thinking, yeah, something's shifting. Something mm. is definitely, you know, and, I, and that ranges from, you know, I've got an 11-year-old um, male at the moment and I've got a 17-year-old and a couple of 17-year-olds. It would be interesting um, to know if you had, like, a 70-year-old male. I've got... I think the change or the shift that generation yeah. probably won't happen. And, that, like, I've got a few women that are in their 60s, 70s. I've had some in their 80s. But, yeah, men... No, mm. you know, the oldest is in their probably late 50s. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's although Even actually... late 50s is surprising, actually, because I think that generation is still quite close off. Or To be fair, I've got, actually, I'm just, made me think, at Maggie's with the cancer, I, I do have um, an older man, two older men, one in, their, one in his 60, mm. 
This sounds and really ones awful. in their seventies. This sounds really awful, but I wonder what. I wonder whether men think because there's cancer going on in their family with them, that's okay to talk about because that's a big thing that it's justified to speak mm. about for them or it's accepted yeah. for them then yeah. to go and speak about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like logically that makes sense that they, yeah. they would come and do that. Yeah, because they know yeah. cancer affects us properly. <laughs> yeah. So well, actually, it was something mentally... Like depression. Exactly. Where depression is weakness. Where they're like, well, no, I'm not going to talk about that. I just need to get on with this and sort mm. out myself, which then ends up to where we've seen. I remember talking to someone about um, another man about like mental health for men. And, like, just acknowledging how difficult it must be to be placed in a world where being macho is wrong and being sensitive is wrong. And I I remember, like, years ago, my brother said to me, I'm really privileged because I'm a straight white male. But actually, I don't think that's true. I think there's still a lot of pressure that comes with that persona. Mm. I don't think that's true at all. So what do you guys have? Like, from a societal, judgmental place mm. that you guys have been brought up with as women mm. what would your you know judgments be on a, a male what would you expect from a male what would we expect or what would we yeah i suppose expect yeah i don't expect very good things from men ever Sorry. just being honest but yeah, that's yeah, from yeah. my own experience you yeah. know my dad's a very um strong character all right. All right. <laughs> he really looks down on women as a gender in society you know it was very like i had my role of cooking and cleaning and they had like he couldn't mm. cook so that's a feminine thing to do and just like what women could wear and all that sort of stuff so that like was there ever a point though where you thought that that was your role as well oh yeah only really until well, yeah, you're brought up the last that, few yeah. years it's only really been the last few years where I thought actually it's not you like, get in the kitchen it's not up to me. <laughs> yeah, good luck <laughs> but even like little yeah I mean Luke's very stuck in his ways um but even like last night I was going out um, and he was like, oh, you're going to make my tea before you go out? And I, said, I was like, no, I said, you can make it yourself. <laughs> and I went. But, like, he's not. he wouldn't kick off or get upset because I've said that. But even that, like, still stuck in that mentality. Mm. I mean, I would say, like... is that? But do you think for Luke that comes from a... That's not from a gender point of view. That's uh, because mum did everything and <laughs> yeah. he's, a lazy, think, he's a lazy bastard. I think we do you think? Do, I think we jump yeah. on that. Yeah. Maybe we do jump on that too, though, but maybe there is genuinely like an ability thing of mm. Marley might be better at cooking than Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, Luke wants a nice dinner, not something from the freezer, whatever Luke wants to cook. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do, I do think as a society we probably are quick it's like Daniel isn't it Daniel's very quick when somebody says oh that's a girl's toy or that's a girl's colour or whatever he's so quick to jump on things yeah. and yeah. yet sometimes it's not even about that it's just about somebody's making a statement you know it's nothing yeah. Yeah. there isn't anything behind it yeah. 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 Um, or Luke might have had a long day yeah. and he's being poorly he, he hasn't had a long day no oh, oh, and, and, and to be to fair look, but Luke is like that isn't he <laughs> when it comes to that he's quite lazy he's just like I think it's because he's never had to do it so it's never a thought in his head. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just something from the second I moved out, I was automatic. Even when I moved in with your parents, um, I remember him saying to me, oh, don't do the washing. Like, mum will come up and get that. And I was like, Luke, I'm 21 years old. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, yeah, so my dad's negative experience. I had um, some trauma um, from men in my younger teen years. So from that on alone, obviously, my expectation of men isn't very high. However, on the flip side of that, like I said, I do feel very passionate about men's mental health and the men that in are in my life, like I adore. So, mm-hmm. 
there is kind of the two sides of that coin but i'm always wary of men like new men that i meet always mm. did we have them um, i can't remember was it the assumptions episode where did we talk about your expectations of men and did did you say that you want men did somebody say about making men making them feel safe oh, like men make me feel unsafe um no, I, I might be chatting rubbish. Well, men do make me feel unsafe. Do you mean safe or unsafe? Safe. Mm. There, there was an expectation, like uh, not that saying. you know, like you would want a man to make you feel more secure or more safe. I think we were talking about it. I think both of you said that you would want a man, whether you expect yes, it or not. I see what you're saying. Me and my friend were talking about this actually because when um, oh. something. Like, let's say Luke had a, has a down day. That's, Luke's not really someone that would vocalise that very often. Um, and I think it was like during COVID because he didn't have any work going on or anything like that. And he was starting to feel quite low and I automatically didn't know where to go with that. Mm. So I was thinking, oh, like in my head, as bad as it sounds, like in my head I was thinking, oh no, he's meant to be like the stable one. Mm. I'm the one that <laughs> like struggles. And now like as time's moved on, we've like both adapted and evolved with that. But initially I was like, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Where's my like rock and my support gone? So there's yeah. definitely that assumption there that men should be able to contain. Our I think steps. that come like even though I'm open to whatever take gender out of it, whatever personality type you are, whoever you are as a person is who you are, regardless. Gender not doesn't matter in that sense. I still think there's something built in us biologically where the man was always the one that was the protector the one that went out and did all of everything for the woman mm. and there still has to be an element of that that probably lives in us is it genetically or biologically or because mm. that was always that, that was how we were that's how we lived so i still think there's an element of that that probably people mm, not so much cling on to but as a desire for maybe mm. i think th- uh, yeah, there, there must be, and I think that's how we've uh, developed, I suppose. Yeah, but I and think why men well. are built stronger than women, and yeah. I know that's definitely changed. Like you see a lot of women now that just as strong, strong mm. as men. Um, but yeah, biologically, I guess that men are built different for that reason too. Yeah, I wouldn't want to speak on behalf of like all women, but I definitely think there is an element of women are still like the the past is still very close to us. Yeah, I think it was only. 1990, it was made illegal for a husband to rape his wife. Mm. But that was only was 30 years ago. <gasps> yeah. So Flip. there's not, there was, you know, quite recently in our lives. We've actually been allowed to yeah. vocalise our thoughts and stuff. Yeah, like quite a lot of misogyny that goes on. So I think women hold on to that. And one thing I would love to do in the future is just get men, like groups, hold groups of like men and women you in do a room. Say this, don't you? I don't want them to be related or connected, but just speak so honestly with one another. And just try and open up that dialogue, you know. Mm. Women, I feel this way because about men because of this. And men can say, well, you make us feel like this. And try and meet, like, a middle ground there. Because I do think there's so much unspoken between really uncomfortable topics. People just live with how they think they need to be because that's how their partner Mm. perceives that they need them to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a huge bit around that. Do you think, like, obviously you're going to train to be a counsellor now, or actually even you, Ria, if you had somebody at work, obviously you're a team manager now, mm-hmm. if you had a, a woman come in and say, I'm feeling really depressed and I'm feeling very vulnerable, mm-hmm. do you think you would feel differently about a man coming in and doing the same? And they say the exact same thing, but do you think you would feel differently about a man doing it as opposed to 
a woman like you might feel more um oh, that must take a lot for this man to do that so you yes. probably treat him a little bit more um i actually don't think i would think any differently of them so i've had both both situations where they've come to me and disclosed areas of mental health problems or from both genders and i've not felt a bias towards either actually but i don't know whether that's because i'm so exposed to it with you where i'm hearing like we're quite open i'm mm. pointing to lee by the way we're quite <laughs> open and honest with mental health like i don't know whether it's because it's I've, it's just natural for men to mm. talk about their mental health it doesn't seem any more different for me i think like for me the only time that's ever happened at work is um like one of the senior managers um and he was like quite an older man so like when he was opening up like i know that was a really big deal to him. That's not to say that it wasn't a really big deal to like women who have come to me, but I just knew yeah. in that moment that was really big for him to drop. But when I asked around. the question, you said, "Yeah, you probably would." Yeah, have I more... feel more sad. Yeah. Why? I just, I think it just breaks my heart that <laughs> men don't find it as easy as women, because we are. Oh, sorry, that's probably the wrong thing to say. Not that they find it as easy as women. I just think it's more accepted yeah. from a woman yeah. than it yeah. is a man yeah. which potentially gives us some ease in disclosing how mm. we're feeling yeah. and so I think when a man does come to me I wonder how long they've like held on to that for uh, I don't know it just makes me quite feel sad it's quite interesting because one sense you say men you've got no expectation yeah. of men and you expect the worst from them and then you're like, oh, I feel much more sorry for them if they've got mental yeah. health issues. I'm just messed up, guys. <laughs> That's why you're in counselling. Well, no, but it just shows that your relationship with men has been very up and down. Yeah. You've had some really good things and you've had some really shit yeah. things. Yeah. It's um, a very interesting question. I've never really thought about it, to be honest. I, I would say I, my, my treatment would be the same. Mm. I would never prioritise one sex over the other like yeah. in how I was with them. But I think on the inside, mm. I think I feel more sad yeah there isn't i think i do think there is a quick judgment like i suppose if i had a i'm just thinking if i had a young guy and a young woman come in and they both shared the same story i, I probably would have this quick thing where i where your brain goes oh that must take a lot hmm. for the guy to to do that not hmm. for the uh, yeah there is an expectation that the girl will just come out and talk about it yeah it, for me hmm. um <clears throat> So yeah, it's and and that's still sad that even you know with the younger people, I'm thinking of you know I've got a couple of people in their late teens, they still struggle, and yet so it shows you that we're still we've still got a long way to go, and they talk about masculine, you know expectations and masculinity expectations and all that sort of stuff. And that, they're seventeen, mm. you know. So it's something I'm quite anxious about, obviously topical, but like postnatal depression and stuff like that. Mm. It's still even though women are. Um, it's more accepted for women to talk about mental health and women are more likely to get together and have a cup of tea and chat about their problems and share. That's still quite a big taboo topic. Mm. And people think, why should, would you have that? Like, you've got a new baby. Why would you even yeah. be worried about it? What have you got to be... Like, that typical thing. What have you got to be depressed about? Mm. It's quite dismissive, isn't it? Yeah, mm. especially when you... Other women and they're having difficulties with having children. They must, you then think, oh, God, I've got everything that they must want. You can't. There's no way I can feel any sort of mental health issue or depressed about this. So people then cling on to that too, which that um, causes huge issues for people. Did you watch that episode of EastEnders when Stacey... <laughs> Did you watch EastEnders? No. Stacey had postnatal depression and she 
turn like schizophrenic like it really affected her mentally and that was like a one of the they were representing real life and things like that so that's a huge thing for women that's actually quite difficult for them to open up with mm. so yeah. what's your expectation of men then my expectation of men like what's your judgment mm. i think men for me it'd be normal for men not to open up keep everything bottled up not discuss things get on with it go out and go to the pub get drunk and that's their blowout and then they come back and they're fine blowout <laughs> you're poor because my blowout <laughs> sorry that was you again that bit close to home sorry <laughs> she's gonna cry nobody's <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's my expectation of men even though that's not something I'd want men to be I wouldn't want that I would want somebody to talk and, be, and open up and be honest but again that's quite sad isn't it because you're you know late 20s Three nine next month. Oh yeah. Sad times. And um, but yeah, you still kind of have that typical expectation, of, uh, judgment of men. Yeah, and I know. think it's just that's how I've been brought up too. Like both father figures in my life have been quite um, deal with it on their own, and now deal with it when they want to, rather than be open up and talk about things that's going on in there. They're there for you when you need them to be for you. Mm. Yeah. But when it comes to them, they kind of deal with it themselves. Yeah. So, but even with that, like we, I think we've maybe talked to before, but even Dal, like Dal is one of my closest friends, and yet, you know, he's still as much as I know he would be there if I needed him. Mm. His understanding of, you know, if you wanted the, a deep understanding, you he know, struggles. he would struggle with that, yeah. you know. And we, we even joked that last year on his with, with work, he had to go on a mental health first aid course, <laughs> you know, and we all find that hilarious because, <laughs> you know, it meant then he'd have to actually sit and talk to people and try and understand yeah. where they're coming from. You know, and that, then when you roll that back, that's probably to do with his upbringing. And yeah. he was in the RAF from a young age and all of this sort of stuff. Mm. And then you roll it all back. It's no wonder that men are like they are. I'd love to know a bit more about the army now, you know, and whether actually things have shifted. I don't. I'd I can't like imagine it would so. change, but I, I would like to see whether it's shifted. Do you not think? I well, would like to have known that there was a little bit of a shift. Because obviously back in the day, not only did you have the generation that you had where mm. men were there to provide and, you know, emotionally were quite stunted, but then they went to the army or the RAF where you were, you know, kind of everything emotional was kind of stamped out of you anyway, probably. But do you see that SAS programme? I know it's a programme and it might not even be real life, like the army SAS thing. And they talk to the celebrities, whoever it is, to the side, and they do talk about mental health and what's going on in your yeah. mind. I don't know if that's just. I don't it's know if there's TV. been. I think there's probably been a shift, but just from speaking to like my friend in the army, I don't think there's been a huge shift mental health wise. I know that they went for counselling and they just got fobbed off with um, heartburn. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So. I think that there's. I'm pretty sure it was heartburn. Anyway, it was not anything to do with their mental health. Um, that the professional thought um and i also think just in the army in general there's a long way to go in terms of mental health reintroducing people into society and stuff like that oh reintroducing people back in what you must go through there and what you must see and experience is just another level of therapy i think that you would need Mm. yeah definitely i find like i just think it's very interesting like speaking to men of a certain age like in their 50s and I remember having probably about six months ago, I was talking to a man and he was like saying, oh, you know, as men, we can't say anything anymore to women. We can't do this. Like, we can't just be friendly. Like, initially, I just sat like my heckles rising. <laughs> but then, like, as I like listened to him more and he was just basically saying how he felt like he'd lost his identity as a man. Because mm. to him, that 
that's all he's ever known. Mm. So I do think there is a real element of that for that generation. Like, they're losing who they are. Yeah. Okay, it's very <laughs> old-timey thinking, and they do need to move forward. But there is also that element of, where do I go now? You yeah. know, if someone all of a sudden said to me, like, I don't know, you can't wear makeup or do your hair, or stuff like that, like, that's part of that's myself. Very true, but, yeah. Very true. If it all of a sudden became, like, taboo in society... Mm. What do you do with that moving forward? And I think that's the side of men's mental health that probably doesn't get touched on very often. Women, I think, for me, women are always deemed the victim or women get a hard time. Which, let's be honest, we have. Like, what, when, what year could we actually vote? <laughs> yeah. Like, we've... It has taken a while for it to come around to be... We're not even there yet, but an equal balance between the two genders. Even the gender pay gap. Yeah, that's still massive. But I still think irrelevant of all of that Regardless, we're still viewed as the victim ones, or mm. men always given the bad, the well, bad. Yeah, I saw a stat a minute ago, but even in court, that actually men are more like three times more likely to get a more severe sentence for doing the exact same crime than women. Wow, you know, yeah. so you know, it there is still this kind of, um, yeah, that women are more victim and men are more perpetrators, mm. I suppose. Um, and. There's, you've got the custody battles as well, where men are effectively deemed less uh, nur- nur- nurturing to their children than women. Yeah. Men are? Well, you think, like, all the parents that go through custody battles, women mm. are practically almost automatically given the Yeah, kids. that is just, um, yeah. Yeah, I find that absolutely Ridiculous. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Are women, I don't know the whole, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, women are default the, the what's it called? Guardian? Yes. Mm. And men are then, like, the they can have shared guardianship if we've got it it's always default to women which is absolutely ridiculous when it could be the woman has actually got nowhere near as much yeah uh, they could be no good for the yeah, child exactly exactly yeah. like no, nowhere near as much stability as what the child needs but it'll always be just the woman it's the woman yeah. i don't get it and i also think you get that with like same-sex parents as well i would say it's probably deemed more acceptable to have two mothers for a child than it is two men oh yeah i find that i just find that absolutely crazy i, I still get it now like obviously we know that i'm doing the adoption process and i've still seen a couple of people that go are you doing it by yourself mm. and i go yeah and they go what just like so you'll just be the dad and like there's almost this surprise that as a male i can bring a child up by myself and then even that like what happens if i want to get a girl you know, Do you know, though, I think even though this is, like, probably, like, I don't know, hard to say, but I still think, does a child need both, like, a, a man and a woman? Do you know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I, I don't think so. I think if you, I don't, I don't know about you, from, like, training and stuff like that, but I think if you can give your child love and nurturing... Well, look at, like, I know we're getting a bit technical now, but, like, even Maslow's yeah. hierarchy, which talks about the oh, needs... Sorry, Maslow's <laughs> hierarchy. <laughs> But it I'll talks about it talks about the basic needs that that humans need. It doesn't say on there females oh, or males. It just yeah. talks about you know Our breathing needs. and you know all yeah. that sort of stuff that we actually need to then progress. You know, which ultimately you hope turns into like a sense of self esteem and yeah. drive to be yourself and things like that. I guess it doesn't that say anything about to, male and female. I guess that comes back to actually what we said before: relevant of your gender, it's what personality type you are, and if you're able to provide all of those things, yeah. then. Great, you're a great parent. Exactly, and but also you don't know what that child needs. Obviously, one of the, that was one of the questions I asked. I was in, a, in as part of one of the adoption meetings. I was surrounded, like in a Zoom meeting with all these other couples. And there was me and this other woman that was the two on their own, and uh, I asked the question, "Would it go against me?" And you know, even they, uh, the social worker said that some children struggle to 
fight for the attention of two parents. Mm. So actually, you know, I liked the fact that there's now this kind of idea that not everybody needs two parents, not everybody needs a man and a woman, you know, that actually it's to that individual. And if you can provide the necessities for any child, they can grow to be hopefully... Yeah. yeah, the well, best versions comes, of themselves that they can. That comes to about how we were brought up too. I think where the man, well, in my life anyway, the man was always there to provide, go to work, bring home what you need, all of that sort of stuff. Whereas the woman was the emotional caregiver, yeah. the one that was there for you emotionally and affectionately, and all of that type of thing. So then you think, oh God, yeah, the child would need that side, but also a mm. giver as well. But actually, that's just because that's how that. Our generation of parents were brought up, whereas now, hopefully, if things go carry on the way they are... I think men are more than capable yeah. of giving a child everything they need, Definitely. absolutely. I don't, it's like speaking from my own experience, I'd rather have had two, uh, one single parent who loved me unconditionally and accepted me for who I am than two parents who couldn't give me that. Mm. I don't think, I really don't think it means anything. Do you have preference on what child gender you would have for any particular reason? Um, I want a boy. And is um, that is that because a girl? I think, oh god, I wouldn't know how to look after a girl, or is that for? Not necessarily that I wouldn't like to look after a girl, but uh, or know how to look after a girl. Sorry, but just I don't know. I think part of me thinks boys are easier. That's me maybe being a bit judgmental. I said that to you earlier, didn't oh, I? Literally. Um, Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Marley did say this to me, and to be fair, I did agree. Yeah. However, <laughs> gender should never be... Um, <laughs> it's it's a pretty <laughs> poor assumption, but I do have the same assumption. No, no, but I think most people do. Yeah. I think most people that I talk to <clears throat> have the same assumption that boys are just slightly yeah. easier. In, but, but probably for the very reason that I we're talking, in shit. that... <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Shanice, who's going to be the, the most miserable <laughs> cow ever. I'm absolute comedy gold. I think my child is going to be... <laughs> what did we say? Next. Come out the womb laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. But probably, actually, there's the judgment in that, that I, yeah. I think boys are probably going to be easier because they, they don't moan as much or they aren't as sensitive as much, you know, but then that follows that same stereotypical thing that they probably won't talk about it as easily and as readily so therefore it's easier Mm. and when they get to the point they already talk about it they've got a whole lot of trauma to talk about exactly Mm. they've got it all built up yeah you know so actually i I wouldn't be fussed with either i i I generally like i look i I obviously watch and i see people with little girls and like i think that's i love a father-daughter relationship but Mm. i also see like you know i'd love to see actually how you react with a girl like this is really typical and stereotype it now like a 15 16 year old girl that's very hormonal stamps up those stairs slams the door i'd love to see how you um handle would handle that or react with that but i probably yeah i probably would be like that (laughs) go on carry on there'll be a consequence later crack on yeah and then you'll just be sat there and you'd counsel go and find your go and find your peace corner go and be calm (laughs) go on do you know, my baby, I'd be like, Leah, I can't cope, she's driving me absolutely mad. Send it round, Ria. Send it round. You'll come back, the baby will come back then. Mike, I've just had my therapy session <laughs> with Uncle Lee and it's I've realised that the parents are the issues, mum. <laughs> <laughs> You're like taking it to social services. <laughs> yeah, Ria, this is Sonia, this is uh, Janice's social worker. <laughs> but, Do you know, I think, like, going back on, like, 
I think it was the Assumptions episode we did when I was like, oh, sometimes I like that men assume that women are lesser than because it allows me, like, the chance to live up to that so I don't have to do a lot. Um, <laughs> or you get, like, special wins and stuff like that. But I can't imagine... Obviously, women have their own battles that they have to face mm. and expectations they need to live up to and stuff like that. Um, but I can't imagine what it must feel like to be a man who's expected to be so manly. Yeah, well, especially toxic if, masculinity, really, because yeah, yeah. I don't think that... Unless, like, some men are just that. Some men are, like, your, your typical man, like, the strong ones, the ones that do want to go out and fight. All of this thing, you'd think, wrongly, that's masculine. But for those then, that if they did actually... They didn't want to act that way, and they have to. They have a massive way to come down then to how yeah. they really are. Like, you hear about in sports teams and rugby teams where men have been hiding their sexuality because yeah. they just don't want to come out. Yeah. Do you know that really fascinates me? Yeah. I don't I couldn't name you five gay foot famous footballers. Well, there aren't any. Nobody's come Except out. That one that came out very recently. Australia. Yeah. Really actually so true. I've never thought about yeah. that. Yeah, there's that not is one. Really true. But like uh, oh my God, but you do have that really kind true. of um the stereotypical thing. Like I remember now like obviously we I've had a recent issue where, you know, the person I'm seeing at the moment is oh, a bit camp. Breaking news. <laughs> is it well, you broke that earlier, thank you. Um <laughs> But I'm like he say is, his name then. he is a bit camp, <laughs> and um, big Neil we like to call him. <laughs> it's not Neil. Oh, Neil, Neil the baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like we've realised I've got an issue with camp, and um, but that for me, real I've realised comes from when I was younger. Like I probably was a bit camp, you know, and I was brought up in a an environment. You know, my stepdad was in the army, and you know he used to call me a shirt lifter and take the mick out of me for being camp but also then I went to an all boys school where I was bullied for that you know so actually my brain without overly knowing it has associated camp with bad mm-hmm. and so then you know even as recent you know and, I, and I've obviously come into contact with a lot of camp people I, I have camp clients and I don't think anything of it but now all of a sudden the idea of seeing somebody who's camp they're going to be attached to me, mm. that all of a sudden in my head was a bit of an issue. Mm. Probably triggering, isn't it? Yeah, and it was a bit triggering, yeah. So, like, it just, um, it's been a bit of a, like, I was brought up to feel that that was wrong. Like, mm. you couldn't be feminine, you couldn't be, you couldn't have, a, even, like, my voice, which I had no control over whatsoever, was probably mm. a little bit high-pitched. You know, I was bullied for that, really. You know, and so it just, um, yeah. Why do they say, sorry, Blake. Why do they say shirtlifter? What does uh, it mean? When the person gets a boner, I'm assuming. So, Is that what it means? I just thought people I thought, like, and I was thinking, what do they want to see? Yeah, I thought it was just like men camply like lifting up their shirt and dancing. Oh, I don't know actually. Should we? Should we? Um, Google. Like, what is it? What should we Google now? I just Shit. had a thought then. Like, I remember, like, from when I was at school, I always used to feel really. Like a lot more sad for the boys when they got in trouble than I ever did the girls. Did you? Yeah, and. Um, I wonder if that's because I grew up around like four men. That's Maybe. like got something to do with that. So that's like my I, I was comfortable around men in that sense. Maybe. Maybe. It does say there. A gay male who lifts his shirt and bends over for anal intercourse. Oh right, <laughs> very descriptive. There we are. Very descriptive. Shirt trifler. A man who lifts up other men's shirts in order to gain a view of their exposed chests. Oh gosh, there's different varieties here. Yeah. Oh well. Do you know what I also didn't know? Uh, in terms of like counselling, that up until a certain year, <laughs> recently, they wouldn't accept gay men for training. 
it was still deemed a mental health issue. What, for cancer? Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Well, how long ago was that? Oh, I would say like in the last like, 20, years. Did they ask years. your sexuality before you... They probably did then, but I know like the... I, uh, I'm not going to name you all the governing bodies so I don't know them, but I know that you have to, like, when you sign up to them, you're also acknowledging that you will not refer anyone for um, gay conversion therapy. Wow. But that's still, like, a thing to take note of. That baffles me. Like, mm. that that's, it still even happens in this country in this day and age. I know. But, yeah. But, like, I'm, I'm going back to... I know we've got to finish soon, but, like, I think men's mental health is quite an interesting topic, but also... Like, for me, I feel quite privileged that, especially in the last five, ten years, you know, I'm surrounded by, like, even the boys, you know, we talk about the boys. Like, if one of us is going through something, you know, yes, it might take a little bit longer to maybe say it sometimes, but, like, you feel very supported. I'm I'm lucky to kind of have a number of males around me that, where you can open up to, and, and it's as much as we'll take the piss out of each other, you know for well it's back to that thing. It comes from a, a lovely, lovely place, mm. and they'll be there regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll keep an eye on me, or they'll do what you know, whatever I need. So, like, it it is easy for me to talk, mm. easier for me to talk because I know I've got that support network. Yeah, that support network. Um, I think that's. I love your little, like your group of friends. I think that's really nice. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Sorry. I was biting my lip at the same time then. I also think as well, again, I know we're signing off now, I'm signing off. Um, but, like, I remember sharing some, uh, writing something in a post earlier on in the year. I just don't think it's enough anymore to just keep saying, oh, you know, men have feelings too and stuff like that. Like, I think there needs to be more than that now. It's mm. not enough to just say, to say that, that's my bit, that's done, I'm going to move on now from that. There needs to be much more pushing through with that. It and needs to start in schools. It oh, needs to start. Oh, big time. So I would love so us much. to get to a point, because obviously when we do our clinic, I, mm. I want us to do lots of different workshops and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But I would love us also to be able to go into businesses, into schools, yeah. and, and you know, get talking about mental health properly a little bit more. Yeah. I can't wait for that to happen. Neither can I. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah, so that's us. That's us. For another Cheers. episode. One COVID patient, one pregnant lady. Lady? Lady. She's not a lady. And one serial data. <laughs> or new house person. <laughs> serial data. I've only had two. I tried to think of like a really quirky thing to say for someone who's got a new house and that was I couldn't think of anything. So serial data. I've, I've, I've had two data. people. I've had two people. Single man, reveal yourself. <laughs> anyway. Homeowner. There might be another one. Would you call me? A homo. Homeowner. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Moscow. <laughs> Podcast peeps, say we are. Podcast peeps. Podcast peeps. <laughs> <laughs>